Welcome to the podcast, Mom It Like It's Hot, the Motherhood Insider, presented by the Cincinnati Mom Collective. Hey, everyone. Welcome. And uh, we are doing a special episode for this week. Um, have a couple wonderful ladies with us um, from Shriners Children's of Ohio. And just about Shriners, um, if you don't know about them, they were the 2023 uh, Virtual Bloom sponsors of our Dayton and Cincinnati um, Virtual Dual Market Bloom. And they were a Bloom Expo exhibitor in our Cincinnati um, Expo that we had brought back after several years of not having an in-person one. So thank you again for uh, interacting with moms and sharing there. Um, but located in Dayton now, Shriners Children's Ohio's experienced and compassionate team brings hope and healing through their pediatric specialty care. And our special guest is Chief of Staff Dr. Higginson and Jessica Wagner. Uh, we're going to talk about Burn Awareness Week, which is February 4th through the 10th this year. So Dr. Higginson and Jessica, welcome. Hi, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Very excited to be here. Yes. Uh, so, Jessica, you are in marketing, right? Correct. Yes. And also a Dayton native, I heard. Yeah. Yeah. So I grew up in the um, Dayton area and intentionally chose to move back here um, once I finished college because it's just such a wonderful community. That's awesome. And then uh, Dr. Higginson, uh, you come to Shriner Children's in Dayton from the University of California, San Francisco, Fresno, where you yes. were director of burns at Leon S. Peters Burn Center. Yes. Right? The only comprehensive burn center in the state between Los Angeles and Sacramento. And you know Ohio, right? Yes, I went to the Ohio State for medical school. Yes. <laughs> and uh, for anybody. Mowgli. <laughs> yes. I was going to say, my best friend lives in Columbus. Uh, anybody that's watching this that doesn't know about the Ohio State University, the B is very important. Um, and so you grew up in the Los Angeles area. Uh, yes. Graduated from the University of California in Los Angeles. Uh, you taught high school science for a few years. I did. And um, then since your youthful aspirations included becoming a naval officer, you enlisted and yeah. the U.S. Navy trained you to fly the SH-60B Seahawk, a helicopter that can land on ships. Super impressive <laughs> when I was sent this. Um, then following your naval service, you became an EMS pilot for MedFlight of Ohio. And then it became apparent to you that you really enjoyed medicine, particularly particularly assisting trauma patients. And that led you to Shriners. Yes, yes. It's a long and winding road, but uh, I get better every stage of life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very, very impressive background career. Thank you for your service um, and all that you've done for the country. And now that you are doing for parents um, in the Southwest Ohio area. So do you want to tell us uh, what your title is at Shriners? I am the chief of staff of the hospital. So uh, along with being a burn surgeon and, and really uh, treating uh, children kind of uh, internationally and kind of the Midwest to East coast of the United States, which is very exciting with uh, Shriners. Um, 
I get to help with uh, the other services that we provide and make sure that we're all running effectively. So uh, under me is also not only the burn program, but our cranial facial program, uh, which is very exciting. So uh, we're, we're, those are our two major uh, points of focus here. And uh, again, my first love, yes, was trauma. And then a niche in that is burn and being able to do pediatric burn. Uh, this is truly uh, the best chapter so far in all of my adventures. That's, that's amazing. So we did have a handful of questions uh, for you so we get your expertise um, and around burn awareness. Uh, so the first one is to tell us uh, more about what made you want to become a physician. Um, you know, at, at age 18, I think it was something to do with, um, you know, a bunch of us friends got together and we made lists, all the things we wanted to do before we died. And, and my list had all sorts of things on it, bungee jumping and, you know, uh, skydiving, but, but I definitely had a list. Uh, I wanted to be a naval officer and I wanted to be a physician. I wanted to be uh, a pilot. And so, you know, it just as as these opportunities appear, but while flying for MedFlight Ohio, uh, which was amazing, uh, you know, landing on the side of the road, taking a patient who's in extreme uh, distress and delivering them to a hospital, and seeing you know the the trauma surgeon show up and just kind of work their magic and make everything happen, uh, that was truly my path to medicine. I thought, now that guy has a cool job, and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, all the way through medical school too. Everybody's like, "Oh, you're you're not going to want to be a surgeon. They're horrible people, and you're going to you know, pick something else." And clearly, those horrible people are my people. Trauma surgeons <laughs> and <laughs> surgeons. I mean, it's 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 an opportunity to meet someone on the worst day of their life and make it better. And uh, you know, so it, it's kind of like I get to I get to be the hero uh, often, and I I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like yeah, you've been very heroic throughout your whole life. So <laughs> yes. Um, all right. So uh, why did you choose Burns as a specialty? If you can go into that more and ultimately, why did you choose Shriners Children's? Um, you know, Burns is very kind of, there, there's an art to it. There's not just one way to close a wound, to graft a burn. Um, it's very arts and crafts. I, I crochet and quilt and, you know, I just brought that to, to surgery. You know, the way that you play skin is very artistic. Um, it was the opportunity in trauma to continue to treat children. It's the one specialty in adult trauma where you keep all of the patients from the very elderly uh, to newborn and the opportunity to continue to do that. Now coming to Shriners, um, I spent a lot of years uh, trying to push for what I thought the patient needed and, you know, having to think about they need it, but this is cheaper or it, it's, you know, to, to change the look of a, of a burned child's face and to have an insurance company tell me that it's cosmetic and unnecessary and that they won't pay for it and, and beating my head against that, that kind of insurance company wall, um, to say that it's so much more, uh, it's, it's life changing and to come to Shriners 
and and be surrounded by the support of this organization where the only question is, does the child need it? And regardless of a patient's ability to pay any of that, none of that matters. It's truly, do they need it? And there, there, there isn't that moment of, um, you know, judging this is more important than that is more important. Um, you know, to, to participate in giving a child the opportunity to have their very best life in the very best way that they can do it. Uh, that's what coming to, to Shriners uh, in Dayton has allowed me to do with my career. And so truly, in all the things that I have done, uh, I have uh, leveled up uh, coming here because the the delivery of care is amazing, uh, and being able to deliver that, and never have a conversation about pay or insurance, or to have volunteers that drive patients multiple states over so that they can attend their visits with me uh, completely out of the goodness of their heart just blows my mind. Um, it's it, it seems too good to be true when you talk about it, but truly experiencing what the uh, Shriners uh, mission is and its delivery of care. And so, uh, you know, and then the arts and crafts, again, I like to quilt. <laughs> I get to bring my artistic, you know, vibe to, to make uh, the outcomes, you know, a, a child that's burned will forever be changed. But if I can make that the most beautiful, most functional um, uh, scar that ever could be, then that's, that's why I show up to work every day. Oh, so you make me tear up a little bit as a mom. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to start falling. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you guys do wonderful work. And uh, it's really exciting that you're chief of staff now to continue to lead that vision. Um, so next question was, what are the most common types of burns among children at various age ranges? I think uh, when you're kind of school age and down, uh, it's scald injuries. Um, and I think with the very young, uh, it's usually uh, a scald injury that occurs uh, either bath time, uh, sink injuries, um, hot water heaters uh, being set too high, uh, rental properties where you don't have control over, over, let's say you're in an apartment and you're four apartments down from the hot water heater and the 10th apartment down for them to see hot water, they've got to crank this hot water heater all the way up. And so your apartment sees horribly scalding temperatures on the water, but that further away apartment doesn't. Those are the things we see, scald injuries. Um, accidents with hot beverages and hot soup. Um, and as children age, um, we do start seeing more flame injuries um, and, and the like. Um, so very young children have very thin skin. And so what may not create a burn, like we've all spilled our cup of coffee on ourselves. Um, but a, a cup of coffee uh, is hot enough. You know, Starbucks is serving you a 160 degree cup of coffee. If that were to spill um, on you or a small child immediately, it can create a full thickness injury. And so those are the things we usually see with children are scald uh, and kitchen accidents as well. Okay. Um, what are some things that every mom should know about burn injuries? I think um, when you uh, 
initially have the injury occur, I think it's very important to cool the injury. So removing all clothing, uh, if, it, if it's a flame injury, uh, uh, to extinguish the fire, the stop, drop and roll. But once, once the fire or the source of burning is, is removed, remove all clothing, um, and under, uh, just tepid, cool water, not icy cold, uh, cool the burn injury for 20 minutes, um, and then uh, dry dressings. And if, if, if skin is coming off, if things are being removed, you can always put um, nonstick dressings. And if you don't have those, you can put a little bit of like cling wrap and then dry dressings, which will prevent uh, any sticking or further pain. Um, but cooling the burn for 20 minutes and then keeping it dry, no ice, no ice water. What that does is pull blood flow away from the skin. And so with less blood flow, uh, you can have a burn that was not that deep convert to a very deep burn. And so you want to cool it, but you don't want it to be iced. And then uh, seek care, uh, obviously, at Shriners, Ohio. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> I, I always am still, you know, the, the ice, um, you know, not using ice or ice water. I think it seems so counterintuitive because initially you think it feels um, good. And then hearing, you know, Dr. Higginson and others talk about how it actually makes it worse. It's like, oh my, oh my goodness. Um, but I also like what Dr. Higginson too saying that about seeking us for care. Um, there's no threshold of like how bad your child's burn is to go see Shriners. So, you know, we're looking at the very teeny tiny burns to some of the more, you know, critical cases or a larger percentage. Um, but if your child had a broken pinky, you would want them to go to the best place to get that, um, you know, fixed. And so it's the same with, with burns. And so we want to make sure that there's no burn that parents know there's no burn too small. Um, because you may, depending on where it is, like she was talking about someplace else may consider a laser procedure, cosmetic to reduce that scarring. And for us, um, for Dr. Higginson, like she said, she doesn't come up against that wall. It's just uh, what's needed to make this area more functional um, and more cosmetic. Um, she really is an artist. All of our surgeons are like artists because they care a lot about both the functionality um, and how it looks. Because we all know we feel, you know, our best when we feel good about ourselves. So um, there's so much great there just to unpack a little bit that that Dr. Higginson shared. Yeah, that's great. And I know you've touched on it a couple of times about, you know, they're like, oh, it's cosmetic, but that might be different if you were, you know, an adult where you know how to handle social things or, you know, you have more confidence built up. But I think, even, all, I think even with adults, you know, there's there's something you face, you want to be your best. And, and we're not talking about a, a, a normal progression of aging. You know, when you have an right. itchy, raised, lumpy scar, face, hand, um, you know, we, we have kids that want to play the guitar, but the, their fingers don't bend the way that they should bend. Those are things that we can address with the laser. Yes, the fingers will look better, but it's the, you know, the ability to, to, you know, use them that is also improved. And um, some of the things that we don't think about uh, as being burns, but truly are friction burns. So there are accidents around the home with treadmills and having small children fall and, and create these friction burns. There's falls off bikes and skateboards where you get a road rash or other injury. And, and again, we will, 
address all of those uh, as well. And I think, you know, when you think about all the many ways that we can have scars, even if somebody else were to treat it and you're in that phase of my child has this scar that bothers them immensely, be it itching, color, discomfort, um, we can see you after the fact of healing to try and figure out how can we optimize function and, and uh, essentially cosmetic outcome. Yeah, that's um, really great because it's not, you know, I was wondering, I'm like, it's not just how it looks, but, you know, how it might make them feel. Um, I've only had a couple burns in my life, thank goodness. Uh, but, yeah, I, you know. It felt it's, how much it hurts, that little tiny area yeah. is obscene. Mm -hmm. um, and so you, you multiply that by quite a lot when it's a big burn. And then a small child that can't reason through what's happening. So some of the other beautiful things we do, we do have uh, mental health. We do have therapists. We do have, you know rehabilitation to get them using their, their, you know, whatever their new outcome is the best that it can be. So that's another reason to seek care at a burn center, be it this one or another one is all those layers of people that specialize in various parts of the care are there. So once the wound is closed, even for children, uh, as they have their growth spurts and their changes, uh, you know, you, you, you get burned as a two-year-old. It's a very different different injury when you have a growth spurt at 16. Um, and now the finger that did bend no longer is bending. Um, and so those are the beautiful part about uh, establishing care at a burn center and especially, uh, you know, a Shriners burn center where um, we hold on to patients and have them coming back all the way until they uh, age out. Yes. Very nice. You did mention that no burn is too small. Um, can you go into a little bit more on that. Yeah. Well, Dr. Higginson, do you want to talk to, I wanted to mention the other kind of burns we see at times too. I mean, scalds, like what she said, definitely are um, most common burn um, we treat, but the contact burns too. So the hot glass fireplace. Um, I don't know if you want to address some of those, Dr. Higginson. Well, I think that uh, is important. Uh, you know, Again, you said, you know, if you break your pinky, but um, try to make a fist without your pinky. And so if you have a burn where your pinky won't straighten, um, it affects kind of functional outcomes. There's a lot of palm of the hand injuries that can cause uh, the inability to fully extend the hand, the fingers. Um, so those are big burns and toddlers touching the fronts of fireplaces or touching stoves where they actually end up needing quite a bit of reconstruction to have their hand be functional. And, um, it, you know, if it's a small, uh, scar, it can still affect whatever it is the child wants to do, be it play the violin or palm a basketball or wear shoes, you know, without the top of the shoe rubbing on this large scar that no one ever sees. So why are we working on it? Because, you know, it affects, you've had a blister on your foot. Now you, you can imagine having something permanent that bothers you that way. And so I think uh, seeking out the best care and maybe you thought, oh, this will be fine. It'll heal. And now you're like, oh my gosh, it's a big lump. I can address the big lump. And so, you know, it, 
whether it's the size of a quarter or it covers 90% of their body, um, they're all important. I think we all have our own individual kind of trials. And um, there's never a point where we'll look at a child and be like, why are you here? We're only treating, you know, no, it's, it's, you know, how can we optimize the function, the look, um, you know, that, that very small burn in a critical area or something that is, is so distracting because it won't stop itching. That's a, a lot of problem with scars is that they become uh, just these sources of persistent itching. If we can alleviate that with a couple laser treatments, then you have a child that can now focus on reading and, you know, pay attention in school. So I, that's truly, we, we don't want anyone to feel like, you know, he's got to, or she's got to get over it. It's not that big a deal. Um, that is not how we approach this. If, if there's something that we can change and optimize, we will. And, you know, that's kind of some of the other services we provide as well with cranial facial. Um, there are quite a few things that change a child's whole outlook on how they feel about themselves. If we change the way their ears look, um, two, two very big they won't survive without having, you know, their cleft uh, palate, you know, that's, that's extensive repaired. Um, we do uh, quite a lot of surgeries that may be deemed um, purely cosmetic or won't be covered uh, breast reduction surgery. I think, um, you know, as women, we can understand what it is to, to not like our body, but, but to, to have breasts so large that as a child, um, you, you can't participate in sports, you can't run, you, you're just, you know, you're just limited in the clothes that you can purchase. And so those are the things that's very exciting for me at Shriners is that, that we can, we can do breast reduction, we can do, you know, address changes in ears, but also, you know, uh, the, the burn scars, the acute burns. Um, and so there isn't essentially bring us what it is that's bothering you and let's talk about it and see, can we make it better? I love what, what she said about the ears. So that's called otoplasty. So it's the ear sort of reshaping. So if your ears kind of stick out, um, that's typically considered cosmetic by most insurance companies. It's a super, um, from our surgeons, you see how skilled Dr. Higginson is, but our plastic surgeons also the same. It's a very simple procedure. Um, and it just makes a huge difference in that child's life. So I can speak sort of anecdotally about families, um, that choose to share that and, you know, girls who they play sports and they've always run or played volleyball with their hair covering their ears, right? Never having it up out of their face. And then, um, you know, now they're smiling and, and that family, you know, even if they have insurance, don't have insurance, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Um, so it's things like that or port wine stains or other sort of birthmarks where maybe your family or primary care physician could remove it, but it's on your child's face. Um, you know, and, and like you said, you've got the, the artist here of surgeons who can really make sure that that scar is as minimal as possible. Um, and to know that we're always there. So as that child gets older, um, and maybe the pigment changes, you know, she can go back in and I assume zap it with some sort of laser <laughs> would be something like that she would do. 
There are multiple types of lasers. There are <laughs> ablative lasers. There are, you know, the fractional CO2 laser, which, I mean, some of your listeners may be uh, familiar with laser clinics where you can do a facial uh, resurfacing and, uh, you know, work on wrinkles and everything or the way that I use it, which is far more aggressive. Um, but I actually remove some of the scar in parts and I can change the way that the entire scar moves, the height of the scar, the way that it feels. Um, so, you know, it's, it almost, until you get into it or you have a child injured or you have, you know, a family member injured, you don't realize that these things are options. And so, you know, I'm super excited for the opportunity just to discuss the many things that that we do and address, um, because it it's uh, there's definitely preventing the injury. But once the injury has occurred, um, does that have to be a devastating, life changing uh, uh, incident, or can we go back to our normal? This is something that happened, and now I've recovered. Yeah. And you talked about the prevention. I think that was our, our last big question is with Burn Awareness Week coming up. Shriners Children's Ohio puts a lot of focus on education and prevention. So what are the some of the most important safety tips that you'd have for moms out there? Um, because I have seen so many injuries with hot coffee. I, I have no small children at home. Um, so I have this cup with no lid, but um, I would say move to using travel mugs, not only because your child is going to distract you and it's going to take you forever to get to the coffee and it won't be hot anymore. But if you use a travel mug that has a lid on it, even if it's knocked over, the amount that's spilled is minimal. Um, there's no toddler going to reach into the cup and come away with a dip injury. Um, I've had breastfeeding mothers fall asleep while trying to sip coffee and have it spill on on the child. Um, and so those are things to think about is life is busy and it's hectic. So how can we minimize um, uh, things that happen? So I would say travel mugs for your hot beverages, uh, pay attention to the level of your microwave. If it is above your head or above your child's head and you have them, say you have a, a 10 year old, a 12 year old, and they're independently taking things out of the microwave. If they're pulling it down from above their head, the incident of having a spill, a slosh or a pull down is quite high. Um, and so the opportunity uh, to pay attention to that. Um, some of the noodle cups, uh, that are kind of tilted such that, you know, they tip over easy transferring that, uh, to one of your own bowls, um, using a table, um, not sitting on the couch to watch TV. Cause there's a lot of spilled, uh, injuries there. Um, using the back burners on the stove, having a, a safety zone in the kitchen, especially holidays where there are people visiting and there are more people in the house, um, making sure that uh, small children uh, are out of the kitchen, kind of a three foot zone. Um, if you have a fireplace that doesn't have, there's like new glass that doesn't get hot. Um, you can, you can uh, have wood burning stoves that the, the actual glass now, um, you can upgrade to that. You can put something where a child cannot get within three feet of it. Um, outdoor fire pits, if they're above waist level, the incidence of falling in them is much less. So um, you've seen some of the new fire tables. Um, you're less likely to have a child fall completely in it. Um, and then having a bucket of water, keeping them three feet from sources of heat. 
I'm giving you kind of the, the major, what do I see? They fall into fire pits. Uh, they run across coals that are still hot. Um, being on beaches uh, where fires have been put out and they put sand over it, that stays very hot. Um, so paying attention, I've had quite a few injuries where uh, children will just be walking on the beach the next day and walk right through an old fire pit and uh, sustain some pretty deep burns. Um, falling into fire pits, hot coffee is a big one. Uh, noodle soup is always a problem. <laughs> it's just consistent. Um, so uh, it would be, you know, paying attention to how they're bringing it out of the microwave and what they're having it in. Um, and then again, knowing what to do when the injury occurs and seeking help immediately, because what doesn't look like a terrible burn or a bad burn um, can actually be uh, terrible. If it becomes infected, it will convert to a much deeper burn than it would have been uh, had it not become infected. Um, and so, uh, I think the cooling for 20 minutes, uh, dry dressings, uh, don't, you don't need to try and come up with anything to put on it after that. Um, and then, uh, seeing your pediatrician, if you think it's, you know, can totally wait and their pain is controlled, um, or, uh, coming to, uh, an emergency department and then being transferred to a burn center. And to add on to that too. So with the calling for Shriners, your pediatrician could make that referral or you as a, as a parent can. Um, it is not required that it's some sort of um, your physician or provider makes that referral. So um, any family can call us. And I was thinking another um, that I've seen uh, contact burns with flat irons and curling irons, particularly if you have kids with multiple ages. Um, and again, we've had, you know, families willing to share their story. And it was the 14 year old girl, right? Use your straightener before school. Had it unplugged, but the cord was dangling down. Little brother, you know, reached up and grabbed it and, you know, burn on the palms. So I think even even that when you've got multiple age ranges there and those toddlers, man, they're fast, like little ninjas. They get into stuff. Yes, they do. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Another, yeah, bringing back lots of them. Like, man, there is a whole lot of things that can burn you and yeah, burn kids really badly. Um, yeah. So and those aerosols. So this year with burn awareness week is it's flammable liquids. And so you think of the obvious ones like gasoline, um, but even sort of your aerosol hair or beauty care products, nail polish remover. Um, again, particularly if you're in that age range with teen girls who want all their candles lit and want to do their nails and it's just I mean, a disaster. A, that's a big thing too, is, is, uh, open candles, open flames. I, I have had every age of childburn. You think she's 17, she's not going to set her nightgown on fire. And, and that's just not the case. So, um, paying attention to, you know, maybe battery operated candles, uh, diffusers that don't use open flame. I have seen um, I, you know, just every type of burn that, that a candle could cause, be it, you know, burning down the house to, uh, catching hair on fire, catching loose clothing on fire. Um, so yeah. And hot appliances around the house. If you think of all the various things that get hot, um, even a crock pot sitting for hours can be quite hot just to touch the outside. But also if the cord is dangling down, you can pull the entire 
everything down. So moving everything a certain distance back and then creating zones of safety where your smaller children just are not allowed to go. Yeah. And I have a 14 year old now daughter. So it is all, Take all these candles back. Oh my goodness. She just she loves candles. I mean, cause we, we like candles and we like the incense and the diffusers and all that. But we had to tell her after last time, we're like, if we go into your room when you've left for school one more time and there's a candle or tart burner or like something left on, it's out. And she thought we were playing, but like she has a cat. And so like the cat, you know, is oh, danger. <laughs> and she had like during Halloween, she it's like, and it's older too. So we try and keep an eye on it, but it's a Mickey Mouse jack-o'-lantern like light thing. You know, it's like this plastic light thing, but you know, it's older, you know, it kind of gets warmer with the bulb in it. She had like thrown clothes on top of it, like left. And I'm like, <laughs> no! like, I thought we made it through the toddler in the early years. Like this should not be stressful, but it still yeah. is. But like, accidents happen, right? Um, you know, yeah. 99 times, nothing happens. And then it's the one time, you know, something, something yeah. does. So yeah, battery operated. <laughs> yeah, that's what I like. And, yeah. and, and there, there are quite a few new products. You can get all of the Bath and Body smells um, through. You know, there are uh, melters that are plug in that have safety off. So after two hours, they turn themselves off and kind of those things. Um, but it's it's open flame is just just a, 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 a no win situation, I think on many levels. And I think we've all had moments where, um, you know, you go to work and you're like, did I leave that on? Is that, you know, there's a reason that every flat iron has an automatic, you know, turns itself off because everybody forgets, you know? And so if you can eliminate the number of things that don't have a safety backup, uh, you're winning. Yes. <laughs> so much to think about. As, Not yeah. back in the old days with like giant Aquanet, like the spray and the curling Next iron that went to 500, yeah, 500 <laughs> degrees Fahrenheit to get your fair faucet waves. But Ooh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, still so much that we have to look out for. <laughs> um, that's awesome. Well, yeah, this has been really good. Um, any final thoughts you can think of to leave us with? I mean, I, I really would like to encourage anybody that if there is something that they're curious about, if they want to be seen, they can give us a call. They can come by our clinic. Uh, old scars, new scars, small burns, big burns. Um, and, and our cranial facial, one of the things we didn't talk about, um, that I think is important to talk about, especially if you have, uh, new moms, uh, speaking of, um, kind of, uh, head shape and uh, plagiocephaly. Um, one of the things that we do do are helmets and different helmet fitting um, to uh, help improve the shape of a child's head. But also in that, we screen for any reasons why their head may not be the shape that it should be. And so if there's something that our, um, we have um, three plastic surgeons and a neurosurgeon. And so we do some fairly complex uh, cases with our plastics. And so those are things I, I, I think that's one thing that we didn't talk about is we will, we will reshape your child's head. Um, but <laughs> we will screen for, for different things going on that your pediatrician may not have caught. 
Um, and so uh, if anyone would like to uh, be seen or, or further questions, um, they can give us a call. Okay, great. Uh, yeah, and I'll make sure to, to put in the description links for everything, phone numbers, all that. Perfect. <laughs> so parents are able to, um, to be able to reach out to you. So yeah, yeah, awesome. Well, I really appreciate you spending some of your evening um, with us and taking time to share. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's really good to meet both of you. Really excited about you, Dr. Higginson, joining the team there. So good things to come. Awesome. Thank you yeah. so much for uh, Thanks, Courtney. Yeah, yeah, this is great. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thanks for joining us and tune in for our next episode.